Hello, friends, and welcome to Mad as a Hatter, a conspiracies and curiosities podcast. So if you are joining us, it is now episode 16. I can't believe it. It's going by so fast. It seems like it was only an hour ago that we recorded episode 14. Only an hour ago. (laughs) We hate ourselves and we got three done in one night. But we're here. We're doing it. If we sound a little tired, our apologies. First time around, I said, instead of hello, friends, I said, welcome to. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to. Because we've never, ever opened an episode that way. But apparently we are today. I almost said welcome, friends. Which is very creepy. (laughs) Welcome, friends. (laughs) I know hello, friends is creepy, but like welcome, friends is extra creepy. Extra. That's when we need that creepy marionette music I found. When are we adding that into our episode? Oh my gosh. White Rabbit 2. That's our end goal. Okay. Have our soundtrack. Paige is working on it. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm all the artsy-fartsy stuff. And yeah. It's a struggle. <laughs> it's true. Yes. I can't do any art. <laughs> so speaking of art, this does have nothing to do with art. <laughs> like, what are you talking this about? This has nothing to do with art. I was going to say something about merchandise, but we have no updates on that from the last episode. Maybe we will if you donate. Yeah. Hey, get something I'm around. sorry. We're begging now. Yep. More, please. <laughs> May I have some more? <laughs> so on our White Rabbit 2, we will be doing a shout out for our Patreon members. Yes. Yes. Anyone a dollar and up, no matter what you give, we will be doing shout outs. You'll have access to all of our Patreon features to be determined. <laughs> We're still working on them, but they do include. Yeah, we have live stream, blooper reels. You can probably see some photos of Darby and I, some bios, maybe a little hint, hint at the merchandising. Yeah. Early access. We don't know yet. Then maybe if you have an idea or suggestion of something you'd like to see, hey, what's worth my money? Hit us up. Yeah. Let us know. What do you need from us? Honestly, we just want to hear from you guys. Yeah. We see you exist. I just, I love the two fans that reach out to us. I love you guys. Thanks, guys. You're my favorite. You know who you are. And those of us who (laughs) do know us in person and talk to us all the time, thank you. I also love you, but I don't count you on that radar. Yes. (laughs) Listener Rachel, listener Jane, are you there? We hope we still have you. Liz? Liz? Listener Doug? (laughs) Doug! My mom? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Darby's mom. Do you still listen? Because <laughs> I don't think you do. Mm. I don't think Alec listens either. We're going to have to start mispronouncing German names and see if she... <laughs> That's true. She called you out hardcore on that one. No, she called you out. No, you were the Hitler one. Oh, but you were Maywees, so... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Hitler's original name. She was like, this is how you pronounce it. I will. I was like, oh, okay, mom. Sorry, I didn't ask Hitler before this. It wasn't me. And she goes, <laughs> in Belgium, you say this. I was like, okay. We do have a Belgium listener. Hello. <laughs> They're probably correcting all of our stuff. Oh, yeah. If you're still listening to us, thank you. Because <laughs> by this point, we've had a lot of German names. Yes. We're working on it. And other names. <laughs> Lots of names that we butchered, <laughs> and we're so sorry. Uh, this one shouldn't have too many. And as a side note, for this upcoming up episode, the topic is fatal distraction. I do want to go ahead... And this will spoil a little bit of what the topic is about, but I do have more respect for our listeners than that. It is a trigger warning. This does have to do with child death and some pretty graphic descriptions. So go ahead. I personally won't be hurt if you do skip this episode. 
just come back <laughs> i will Please always come try- back yes on my more graphic episodes i will always try to put a trigger warning as to what it relates to so just a heads up so we might not be as funny Dari's up to the challenge. I am. <laughs> this is a challenge. You challenged me. <laughs> and I'm over here sinking in my seat. We'll see what this I'm comes out. We're going to start down. shaking again, worried about all the hate we're going to get. <laughs> I like challenges. <laughs> so fatal distraction. What is fatal distraction? So Darby, I want you to tell me every little detail about your commute that you took last Tuesday. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what turns did you make? Was there anything in the road? Was there an interesting stop sign? I don't know. It's a week ago. How about your commute this morning? We don't know. The sun was out. That never happens. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you ever driven, gotten to your destination, and not remembered the drive at all? I mean, yes. <laughs> There is a mechanism in our in our brains that is called autopilot. So we do go into a form of autopilot when we have a daily routine that happens all the time, something that we do almost every single day, usually your drive to work, getting ready in the morning, if you have kids getting them ready, this becomes an autopilot situation. But with fatal distraction, what happens is that this routine, this system gets disrupted so they get busy they get distracted they get upset and once that routine is upset they can cause very fatal instances in case of leaving a child in a car forgetting them to drop them off at daycare other instances where the child has died so what's going on in your brain when you go into this autopilot mode so you get you get in your car all of a sudden you're at your destination Hmm. what was going on in your head during that time i will admit i've done this so many times it's just it's secondhand nature your body kind of takes over the drive so david diamond he's a professor of molecular physiology at the university of south florida darby's dream home it is (laughs) you're not wrong he researches the intersection of emotion stress and memory and his research he used to call it the forgotten baby syndrome but sounds terrible yeah but once he noticed the parents getting a lot of ridicule that this had happened to he stopped coining this term so it's no longer called that but you can usually find something relating to it under that name so there are competing parts of your brain there's the most sophisticated part of our thought processing center this includes your prefrontal cortex and your hippocampus so that's the one that's planning out your day it's thinking it's all those situate like it's your higher operation thinking but then down below is a competing memory system which is a primitive portion of the brain that is by a design as old as the dinosaurs inattentive pig-headed non-analytical and stupid (laughs) okay calling you out basal ganglia (laughs) and quick side note so sorry The majority of these notes come from a Washington Post article called Fatal Distraction. Forgetting a child in the backseat of a car is a horrifying mistake, but is it a crime? By Gene Weingarten. This was, first and foremost, the most in-depth, best article you could possibly find on Fatal Distraction. So much so that any other article that I found just referenced this article (laughs) or rephrased what he had to say. 
So I highly recommend everybody go out, read it. It has a lot more case studies than I have in here. I preferred not to share the parent stories without their explicit permission. Yes, they did share it in that article. Still always not my forte. I do have a couple in here. And this author himself had it almost happen to him. So he, his daughter, Molly Weingarten, she was a toddler. He forgot to drop her off at daycare and would have left her in the car if she had not woken up in time and said something to him. So she was asleep. He got to his job. And then he would turn off the car and was getting ready to leave when his daughter woke up and said something. So he's like, I have a lot of sympathy for these parents. I do not fall under the spectrum of, oh, this will never happen to me because it almost happened to me. <laughs> that just make me think of how like now there's a whole movement out where they're saying, oh, take your left shoe off and put it next to your child. And then people got mad and were like, so your shoes more important than your child? Yes. <laughs> we, I do talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, there's a lot of people, the number one statement all against this is i would never do that i would never forget my child what kind of parent would do that but here we're talking about the psychology behind it and say anybody can do this david diamond who i'm talking about now with all of his research says absolutely any human being can do this no one is exempt race class financial status anything it's susceptible to anybody and this fatal distraction, the research that Gene Weingarten does, focuses only on actual accidents, mm-hmm. not cases where there's been previous notings of neglect or abuse. Because unfortunately, that is, yeah, that is an element or where we'll talk about it later. But so the basal ganglia, when you're in autopilot, takes over. And so in these situations involving familiar routine motor skills, the human animal presses the basal ganglia into service as sort of an auxiliary autopilot. So the rest of your brain, those higher processing, mm-hmm. the, the smart ones, <laughs> they're planning the day, thinking, processing, hmm, what am I going to get for dinner? Or, oh, I have to type up those notes for a meeting. But the basal da- ganglia is the one driving the car, mm-hmm. the, which is why we don't remember commutes, because... The basal ganglia is just taking over from muscle memory. But when it comes to cases of stress, the stress can weaken the higher functioning centers and leads to, lead to the basal ganglia taking over more, which is the case with fatal distraction. A stressor takes over and messes up with your autopilot. So Diamond says, I can tell you that the basal ganglia can suppress all kinds of memories, even the things that are most important to us. So shoe versus child does not matter to the basal ganglia. <laughs> Basil Ganglia don't care about your child. <laughs> he cares about getting you from point A to point B. But I'd imagine when you step out of your car and you feel a sharp rock go into your foot, you're probably like, oh. Yes, it's a trigger that breaks new. you out of that autopilot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, not fun. <laughs> so common factors are stress, emotions, lack of sleep, a changed routine. Another phenomenon that comes with this fatal distraction with the uh, basal ganglia and autopilot British psychologist James Reason coined the term Swiss cheese model in 1990. What? To explain the analogy why catastrophic failures can occur in organizations despite multiple layers of defense. Reason likens the layers to slices of Swiss cheese. So they're stacked on top of each other. They're piled high. The holes represent small, potentially insignificant weaknesses. Things will totally collapse only rarely, he says, but when they do, it is by coincidence. When all the holes happen to align so that there's a breach to the entire system. So if you ever stack up Swiss cheese slices, very rarely will you have a hole that goes all the way through. Mm-hmm. Because the, sl- the holes are so random. 
So these are cases where, unfortunately, the little breaches like stress, sleep, a distraction happens, something occurs, all those line up perfectly to cause this breach and this accident. Mm. So most popular and most attributed to the idea of fatal distraction is a no-sleep post on Reddit. It's called Autopilot by You Scarjo. This one is very popular. I'm going to read it to you guys, but it has a description of what happens when our autopilot hijacks our brain and we forget something super important. Have you ever forgotten your phone? When did you realize you'd forgotten it? I'm guessing you didn't just smack your forehead and explain, darn, a prose of nothing. The realization probably didn't dawn on you spontaneously. More likely, you reach for your phone, pawing open your pocket or handbag, and were momentarily confused by it not being there. Then you did a mental restep of the morning's event. Shoot. In my case, my phone's alarm woke me up as normal, but I realized the battery was lower than I expected. It was a new phone and it had this annoying habit of leaving applications running that drained the battery overnight. So, I put it on to charge while I showered instead of into my bag like normal. It was a momentary slip from routine, but that was all it took. Once in the shower, my brain got back into the routine. It follows every morning and that was it. Forgotten. This wasn't just me being clumsy as I later researched. This is a recognized brain function. Your brain doesn't just work on one level, it works on many. Like, when you're walking somewhere, you think about your destination and avoiding hazards, but you don't need to think about keeping your legs moving, like, moving properly. If you did, the entire world would turn into one hilarious QWOP cosplay. I wasn't thinking about regulating my breathing. I was thinking whether I should grab a coffee on my drive to work. I did. I wasn't thinking about moving my breakfast through my intestines. I was wondering whether I'd finish on time to pick up my daughter Emily from nursery after work or get stuck with another late fee. This is the thing. There's a level of your brain that just deals with routine so that the rest of the brain can think about other things. Think about it. Think about your last commute. What do you actually remember? Little, if anything, possibly. Most common journeys blur into one, and recalling any one in particular is scientifically proven to be difficult. Do something often enough and it becomes routine. Keep doing it and it stops being processed by the thinking bit of the brain and it gets regulated to a part of the brain dedicated to dealing with routine. Your brain keeps doing it without you thinking about it. Soon you think about your route to work as much as you do keeping your legs moving when you walk, as in, not at all. Most people call it autopilot, but there's danger there. If you have a break in your routine, your ability to remember and account for the break is only as good as your ability to stop your brain going into routine mode. My ability to remember my phone being on the counter is only as reliable as my ability to stop my brain entering morning routine mode, which would dictate that my phone is actually in my bag. But I didn't stop my brain entering routine mode. I got in the shower as normal. Routine started, exception forgotten. Autopilot engaged. My brain was back in the routine. I showered, I shaved, the radio forecast amazing weather, I gave Emily her breakfast and loaded her into the car. She was so adorable that morning. She complained about the bad sun in the morning blinding her, saying it stopped her from having a little sleep on the way to the nursery and left. That was the routine. It didn't matter that my phone was on the counter charging silently. My brain was in the routine and in the routine my phone was in my bag. That is why I forgot my phone. Not clumsiness. Not negligence. Nothing more, my brain entering routine mode and overriding the exception. Autopilot engaged. I left for work. It's swelteringly hot day already. The bad sun had been burning since before my traitorously absent phone woke me. 
The steering wheel was burning hot to the touch when I sat down. I think I heard Emily shift over behind my driver's seat to get out of the glare. But I got to work, submitted the report, attended the morning meeting. It's not until I took a quick coffee break and reached for my phone that the illusion shattered. I did a mental restep. I remembered the dying battery. I remembered putting it on to charge. I remembered leaving it there. My phone was on the counter. Autopilot disengaged. Again, therein lies the danger. Until you have that moment, the moment you reach for your phone and shatter the illusion, that part of the brain is still in routine mode. It has no reason to question the facts of the routine. That's why it's a routine. At attrition of repetition. It's not as if anyone could say, why didn't you remember your phone? Didn't it occur to you? How could you forget? You must be negligent. This is to miss the point. My brain was telling me the routine was completed as normal, despite the fact that it wasn't. It wasn't that I forgot my phone. According to my brain, according to the routine, my phone was in my bag. Why would I think to question it? Why would I check? Why would I suddenly remember, out of nowhere, that my phone was on the counter? My brain was wired into the routine, and the routine was that my phone was in the bag. The day continued to bake. The morning haze gave way to a relentless fever heat of the afternoon. Tarmac bubbled. The direct beams of heat threatened to crack the pavement. People swapped coffees for ice smoothies. Jackets discarded, sleeves rolled up, ties loosened, and brows mopped. The park slowly filled with sunbathers and barbecues, window frames that threatened to warp. The thermometer continued to swell. Thanks shoot, the offices were air-conditioned. But, as ever, the furnace of the day gave way to a cooler evening. Another day, another dollar. Still cursing myself for forgetting my phone, I drove home. The day's heat had baked the inside of the car, releasing a horrible smell from somewhere. When I arrived on the driveway, the stones crunching comfortably under my tires, my wife greeted me at the door. Where's Emily? Shoot. As if the phone wasn't bad enough. After everything, I'd left Emily at the freaking nursery after all. I immediately sped back to the nursery. I got to the door and started practicing my excuses, wondering vainly if I could charm my way out of a late fee. I saw a piece of paper stuck to the door. Due to vandalism overnight, please use side door, today only. Overnight? What? The door was fine this morning. I froze. My knees shook. Vandals. A change in the routine. My phone was on the counter. I hadn't been there this morning. My phone was on the counter. I'd driven past because I was drinking my coffee. I'd not dropped off Emily. My phone was on the counter. She'd moved her seat. I hadn't seen her in the mirror. My phone was on the counter. She'd fallen asleep out of the bad sun. She didn't speak when I drove past her nursery. My phone was on the counter. She changed the routine. My phone was on the counter. She changed the routine and I'd forgotten to drop her off. My phone was on the counter. Nine hours, that car, that baking sun, no air, no water, no power, no help, that heat, a steering wheel too hot to touch, that smell. I walked to the car door, numb, shock. I opened the door. My phone was on the counter and my daughter was dead. Autopilot disengaged. Yeah, when I first read that, just absolute chills. Right, yeah. And I remember immediately thinking, I can't ever imagine being that parent. I just can't. But this does happen quite often. How often does this happen? 15 to 25 times a year are the cases that apply to fatal distraction. But overall, in 2008, 43 children died in a hot car unattended, and the averages are about 29 to 49 deaths per year for all hot car deaths. But I mean, to be fair, all of those hot car deaths 
aren't fatal distractions. Like some people no. are like, oh, they'll be fine for an hour taking a nap in my car. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. Some of those are straight up negligence. Yes. So there are some cases that include negligent, uh, neglect, substance abuse, but sometimes just a lapse in memory. Yeah. So which is the fatal distraction. That's the thing, but also, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, again, it all, out of those 29 to 49 deaths, it only makes up about 15 to 25 of those. Yeah. About half, but still too many. <laughs> yeah, yes. No. <laughs> One woman, in those terms and cases of neglect, left her car, left her children in the car as a daycare substitute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She kept them in the car, so... <laughs> Yep, there's definitely forms of yes. negligence that relate to this. And about 20% of these deaths were parents who run out for a quick errand. This is, the term is officially called infant hyperthermia. So children biologically heat up three to five times faster than adults. They don't cope as well with heat biologically. And you might think like, well, how hot does it have to get? It only has to be 104 degrees Fahrenheit for major organs to shut down. That's when it begins. At 107 degrees Fahrenheit, that means death. That's only a three degree difference. Yes. So it's guaranteed death at only 107 degrees Fahrenheit. So within one hour, the temperature inside of a car parked in the sun on a day that reaches about 95 degrees Fahrenheit, it will hit an average of 116 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's the average. It can get hotter. So on the color of the car and the color of the interior. Yes. (laughs) So 116 degrees, and you only need 104 for major organs to start shutting down. If you notice a child in a hot car, break the window. Yes. I do actually, at the very end of this, have tips for everybody if you do see a child in the car. But Darby nailed it on top of the head. I don't care who you are, what you're doing, break the car window. Fun fact, it's actually 100% legal for a civilian to do that. It is not legal for police to do that. What? Yeah. So we had an incident. At a place that I used to work. Okay, it's not a child. It was a dog. But Mm -hmm. the cop was pretty much like, hey, you have to break the window. Like, I can't. Oh, man. Uh, Because. I do it in a heartbeat. If they do it, it's considered vandalism and the person can sue the police department. But if a citizen does it, there's nothing they can do. So I'm sorry. You have no right to sue if you leave a dog at the car. A lot of (laughs) cops will actually tell civilians to break the window. Mm -hmm. Because they're the civilians would be protected. Yeah. I mean, I'll just go ahead and. I'm sure that's state by state, but. (laughs) No, at least in Indiana. Um, And I'm sorry. Human decency, I vote, break the window. Yeah. I mean, no judge is going to be like, you vandalized the car. Yeah. When you're saving a child's life. So, break the window. Mm Mm-hmm. So, what causes just really the hyperthermia and the forgetfulness? What made fatal distractions such... Yes, the heat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. One of the main factors that led to fatal distraction is something that's supposed to keep the child safe. Car seats. Mm. Yes. So fatal distraction was not very prevalent before the 1990s. In like 1990 to 1992, there were only about 11 deaths due to a hot car. Your child was on your lap. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> due to... In 1992, there were only about 11 deaths due to the hot car incident. But around 1990, car safety experts recommended child seats be moved to the back and that babies face the rear of the car due to the airbags. Mm. So once airbags were installed, car seats started getting moved to the back. So out of the straight view, 
of the parent and then rear facing so that you can't always see the baby's head. Yeah. Yeah. So and you leave the car seat in there all the time. <laughs> exactly. You don't really take it out all with you. So this makes it more easy not to see the child and not notice that they're still there. So once the car seats moved to the back, around 1995, there were 63 cases of child deaths in hot cars. Mm. So it skyrocketed after this. And again, we did talk about how there are some cases with neglect, substance abuse, etc. This doesn't always happen in a car. There are cases where fatal distraction, you forget to pick up your kid from daycare or school. Yeah. Obviously, this isn't fatal because they're at daycare or school, but this is just another point that I wanted to make that this can happen to anyone. Uh-huh. You may be like, oh, well, once I left my child at daycare, yeah, that's fatal distraction. That is your braid going into autopilot. You forgot to do something with your child. You're leaving your child at the store. <laughs> I wasn't left at a store. I was about to say, I was like, something personal there you'd like to talk about? Uh, that I can remember anyway. I don't know. Maybe I've been left at a store, <laughs> but I know that that's also common. Like, you hear mm -hmm. kids all the time be like, my mom left me at Walmart one time. Yeah, the middle child <laughs> or so. <laughs> Back again. <laughs> I think that my parent was a good parent to me <laughs> because I'm the middle child and I was not left anywhere that I know of. <laughs> but... It can't happen to anyone. You never know. Well, I'm 24 now, so I don't think they're leaving me anywhere. <laughs> Maybe not. If, if they are, it's your own fault. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this can happen to anyone. While it might not always be fatal, or it might just be an instance where you're like the author who the kid woke up in time, there are cases it can happen. So regardless of race, ethnicity, class, home life, etc., and from the Washington Post article, I thought this was just the best. I couldn't do anything else but, else but directly quote it. In the last 10 years, it has happened to a dentist, a postal clerk, a social worker, a police officer, an accountant, a soldier, a paralegal, an electrician, a Protestant clergyman, a rabbinical student, a nurse, a construction worker, an assistant principal. It happened to a mental health counselor, a college professor, and a pizza chef. It happened to a pediatrician. It happened to a rocket scientist. It doesn't matter who you are. This is a very human condition. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. <laughs> no, finish that sentence. To leave your child in a car. Yes. Challenge her. I should not have challenged her. You're right. You shouldn't have. <laughs> the Washington Post article also included an audio and a video of the Costello's interview. Somebody where this had happened to. Mm. I and many other watchers were crying. Oh. It's hard. I do not recommend this article and the attached interviews to everyone. The 911 calls, I refuse to listen to. Cases were, remember, these are just normal, average, everyday parents. This is their absolute worst nightmare. And so you'll hear them in the background screaming. There have been cases parents are begging that God takes them instead of their child. There was one who tried to take away the gun from the officer so he could shoot himself right there. I mean, this is an absolute worst just horrifying so there is one case that i do want to talk about lynn balfour she this happened to her she talks about her case often and eagerly in order to share it and let everybody be known what it is um, i recommend that you read more about her case but just to kind of give it more about how like that swiss cheese model and how all the holes align mm -hmm. in order for it to be this horrible mm -hmm. mistake so she was a 37-year-old Army reservist who had served in combat zones. 
On March 30, 2007, she left her nine-month-old in the parking lot of her workplace. The high was only in the 60s, but the car temperature reached 110. Mm. Remember, 107 for death. Yeah. She had been up the night before, babysitting for a friend and then caring for her baby Bryce, who had a cold. He dozed in the car due to the cold he was fighting, and he didn't make a noise. His usual car seat was waiting to be installed by, fi- by the fire station, so he was in a different seat behind the d- driver's seat instead of the passenger seat. She drove her husband to work, so the diaper bag was in the back and not the passenger seat like it normally is. She spent the drive on the phone with a young relative and her boss about stressful things. And then the babysitter, when they called to figure out where Bryce was, only had her cell number, not her office number. So when she called, her phone rang in the bag unnoticed. Mm. So all these little itty bitsy bits and pieces that all aligned and caused baby Bryce to die. So the number one controversy with all of this, there's a lot of different debates that come around with this phenomena. Number one, is it a crime or not? That was what the, Kate, what the Washington Post article was about. Mm. So these are parents. They're good people. They made a fatal mistake. One quote was, a mistake of memory that delivers a lifelong sentence of guilt far greater than any a judge or jur- jury could mete out. Like, these are parents. Like, their child died. Mm-hmm. They're the reason for it. Mm-hmm. And it could have been prevented. Well, and it wasn't on purpose. Exactly. Like, that is, I could never imagine living with that guilt. I mean, I know the child's bad, but in any case, like, accidents happen, and if somebody dies from a pure accident, that's not actually considered a crime. Like, I know you say manslaughter and stuff, but that's if it's a accident that could have 100% been avoided. Like, if you're texting and driving and kill someone, that's manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Not if a semi hits you and nobody was in the wrong and you swerved off and then hit somebody else. Like, that's not manslaughter. Yeah. Yet you still killed the person. Mm-hmm. Like, that's but 100% like, one of the arguments. Yeah. That this was a mistake. Biologically, they made a mistake. Yeah. And it's not like they forgot their shoe. Yeah, it was a child, but at the times, at what point do we forgive? Yeah. 40% rule this case an accident, and 60% of cases rule it a felony. That is so grievous that it has to be harshly punished. So, so far, the odds have leaned towards conviction and an indictment Uh, another article mentioned that in 49 percent of cases charges were filed against the parents and 81 of those cases where charges were filed were convicted so far the odds are pretty much that that they are punished yeah there is no right or wrong in these cases not many precedents and it has a it is a very hard decision to make a lot of people note that it is the responsibility of a parent to protect the well-being of their child and therefore a crime or is it just a human error that can be forgiven as an honest mistake? Mm-hmm. Oh, so Gene Weingarten, he was later quoted saying uh, in a comment response to he posted a second article answering the questions from his first article uh-huh. because it was so in-depth. A lot of people had questions. So he put on a comment where somebody was saying, well, shouldn't they be charged? He says, all well put. The thing is, no one defends these cases by claiming there is no negligence. The parents all admit to dreadful negligence. Yeah. So they know. I mean, I can't imagine any other parent who wouldn't say, this was my fault. I did this. That's why that the one dad tried to wrestle away the gun from the cop. They know that what they did. Yeah. 
The key legal point tends to come down to this. Did the parent act negligently with callous disregard for human life? That is where the prosecutions tend to fail. How can it be callous disregard for life if the parent indisputably did not know there was a life in the car? Should have known is not enough legally. Yeah. And then finally, just like that, ra- that last argument as to why it is, is that it is just a terrible way to die. Heat stroke, hyperthermia is terrifying. Um, one last trigger warning. There was a case where one woman noted that it was the worst case that she's ever served with this incident where a child ripped out all of their hair before they died. Aww. So the next real controversy is you said like with the shoe. The next controversy is the phone versus a child. Someone's like, well, yeah, you can forget your phone, but can you forget a child? So a lot of people are like, you can't just forget a child. Like that just doesn't make sense. How can you not notice that you have a child? So that no sleep story that I talked about earlier, she fell asleep out of the sun. That's most often with these cases is that the children is asleep. They can't say anything. They can't say, hey, daddy, why did you pass my daycare? Or this isn't the way to school. Like my brother (laughs) growing up when he was a toddler, he knew directions. He knew which way we had to go to different states. He's like, mom, we're not going to Miss Chris's. Where are we going? Yeah. He would know and he would speak up. But say if there was ever a case where he was asleep, there would be no chirping in the back saying, hey, yeah, I'm here. (laughs) Uh, So then also the rear facing seats, the child might be distracted themselves, new toy or something. I mean, you can't rely on a kid always to know. When they're in rear facing seats, they're definitely not talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. So what can you do about this? Say you're a parent, you're listening to this right now, you're thinking about this in your head and thinking about how horrifying it could be. First and foremost, do not think you are exempt. You're not. I don't care how perfect you are. I don't care if you're a Pinterest-worthy parent. (laughs) Everybody can make this mistake. So the first and foremost thing is do not make that mistake. So Jeanette Fennell, who is founder of Mm kidsincars.org, says, People try to demonize these parents. The logic goes, these people are monsters. I am not a monster, so it won't happen to me. And that is the biggest mistake anyone can make. Mm. If you think it's not going to happen to you, it's going to happen to you. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to be the person to be like, look, don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm an anxious person. I have a backup plan for everything. (laughs) (laughs) So first kind of thing is memory tricks from kidsandcars.org this is kind of what you were talking about with the shoe Mm -hmm. so always put something that you'll need for work your cell phone handbag employee badge etc on the floor of the back seat near the child forces you to go to that back seat in order to get it keep a large teddy bear in the child's car seat when it's not occupied when the child is in the seat put the teddy bear up front in the passenger seat It's a visual reminder that anytime the teddy bear's in the passenger seat, oh, hey, my kid's in the back. It's one extra step just to make sure your child's always safe. Yeah. So you can also make arrangements with your child's daycare provider or babysitter that they will always call you if your child's not there. That works if you have your phone on you. Exactly. (laughs) In the one case where the babysitter did call, there are a couple devices for safety, but unfortunately not many options. So Mm -hmm. in 2008, the Cameron... Schoolbrenzen's Kids Transportation Safety Act required safety improvements, and it originally had a rear seat sensory requirement, but it never made the final bill because sponsors withdrew 
and they they were afraid that they couldn't make it past auto manufacturers lobbies mm. cool priorities there <laughs> my front seat has a sensor yes <laughs> so when it dings like seatbelt 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 yeah or when there's not enough weight in it that it assumes it's a small child that doesn't have a seatbelt on for some reason huh. it'll pop up and say airbag off oh it does that when one of my sisters sits in the car goals <laughs> she's 25 years old goals over in my backpacks in my front seat <laughs> <laughs> in 2008 a device was created by nasa so it was created by Chris Edwards, Terry Mack, and Edward Modlin after a colleague, Kevin Shelton, left his nine-year-old in the car of the NASA Langley Research Center, and he died. So that was a comment, and even an astronaut, or even a space mm. engineer, or a rocket scientist. It was cheap, and it worked, and it was based on aerospace technology. It had NASA's name behind it. But when this article came out, it still wasn't out. Nobody was willing to manufacture it. Hmm. Because of liabilities if it malfunctions. I mean, I get that. Yeah. I do. Well, that was one reason. The main reason was that the market said it just wouldn't sell. That I don't get, but I get the liability. Cool priorities, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Couple other just quick ones. Kids in cars, car seat monitor. It's available. It turns on at the weight and it plays a lullaby when the car has stopped. So not thing to wake the kid up, but enough to say, hey, your car stopped. There's a weight. Baby Alert by Childminder, and then the Halo Baby Seat Safety System by the Sisters of Invention. Um, At the time of the article, they don't know if it was on the market quite yet. I'm sorry, that made me think of, we're the Sisters of Savings! The Sisters of Savings! (laughs) If you're from the Indiana area, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you can push, pull, or drag it in. Oh my gosh, this is why I don't listen to the radio anymore. (laughs) Darby, what do you do if you come across a child in a car? You break the window. Yes. That is my number one promotion. And then call 911. <laughs> yes. So Gene Weingarten, the author of the article, says, call 911 unless the child is obviously in distress and immediate jeopardy. At that point, you smash your way in. Yep. I vote you smash your way in. <laughs> but. Well. Liability's sake, you don't know how long they had been there. So. Yeah. I mean, I can see the one instance where you get out of your car at a gas station. You're like, I'm just going to run in to pay for gas and I'll come right back out. Like, yeah. Maybe don't smash the window in that instance. Maybe not. Because they're probably gone for like two minutes. Yeah. But. Maybe wait. Wave at the child. The child's not in distress. They're going to wave back and be like, hello. Yes. (laughs) And do know always that sometimes kids do know, because they do have a bad cooling mechanism, they don't always know when they're hot. Right. So just keep it in mind. I mean, yeah, still call 911. Yes. (laughs) But. Um, another comment was, if you see a child alone in a vehicle, get involved. If they are hot or seem sick, get them out as quickly as possible. Call 911 or your local emergency number immediately. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So, again, I'm sorry it wasn't as funny as an episode as we normally do, but it is, I thought, pretty interesting psychological phenomena. Like, it is. Yeah. I mean, you always think, I couldn't do that. And here is multiple people saying, this is very much so a human thing right but yeah uh if you're still with us at this point thank you for listening (laughs) yeah so hopefully i'm talking about a much happier subject next week cool motive still murder (gasps) yes i don't know if that's classified as happy but not really but funny funny. (laughs) so inspired by all of our brooklyn 99 fans jake peralta saying cool motive still murder we're gonna have a list of really cool motives 
of murder cases. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have any fun ideas, send them out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. Did you murder somebody and have a fun murder motive for it? Why'd you do it? Please let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at you, Joe, from you. <laughs> Everything I did was for you, Beck. Cool motive. Still murder. <laughs> Next time, you will hear from Darby in terms of... Ancient aliens. Woo! No, ancient Egyptian aliens. I'm oh, sorry. You My can't bad. forget It's got to be specified. <laughs> Not just ancient aliens. Ancient There's Egyptian. a lot of ancient aliens. I had to specify it. I need a trend Otherwise, on it's multiple be like a ancient... four-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, you will hear about me. Cool motive, still murder. All right. Have we already talked about where to find us? I don't remember. I don't remember either. We've recorded three episodes, so let's go ahead and just go back through it. Okay, so social you media can find us at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Matt is a Hatter Pod. Matt is a Hatter. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> find us on Reddit, Matt is a Hatter Podcast. Mm-hmm. Find us on Snapchat, Matt is a Hatter Pod. Yep. And you can email us at madhatterpodcast at gmail.com yes and as always you can find us on spotify itunes google play podomatic always mad as a hatter you can find us there and listen to us and listen to all of our past and upcoming episodes yeah yeah so we will see you guys next time